uproot the weeds of the discomfort. Let your courage sprout. Fertilize your days with happiness and nourishment. chat about Waldorf and how it's much more than just a philosophy for homeschooling or a school option. It's a way of life. All right, it is Sunday. It actually, this episode will go live in two hours and five minutes. Probably the closest I've gotten to the time when I usually like, schedule to publish it, which, you know what, I'm completely fine now, like, where I am in life, that even if I wasn't able to make this happen today, I would be okay, and I wouldn't be freaking out, and I wouldn't be stressed out. Originally, this morning, I was going to sit down at the kitchen table with Michael and Kai and ask some questions that some listeners had sent me, and Kai wasn't in for it, and that's totally fine. Um, It didn't feel right to me. I don't pressure him to do anything else that I didn't want to try and pressure him to record a podcast episode with me because that would take away the whole joy of it. I show up here every Sunday not making any money off this because I don't do any ads and I never will do ads, but to show up and share something that might help you. So I'm honoring that Kai didn't want to answer the questions that I had to ask him And I'm also going to go deeper into talking about temperaments today and what his temperament is and how he might change his mind and come around for next week. I have previously talked about homeschooling for a couple episodes and what our homeschooling day looks like, running a homeschool co-op. Today I'm going to chat about Waldorf and how it's much more than just a philosophy that I can practice for our homeschooling or an amazing school to go walk through and get inspired by the art. It's a whole lifestyle. So I'm going to go deeper on that today and show you how it helps Kai as a child, how it helps me as a parent to Kai, and how it also helps me as an adult. So a little history about Waldorf. It originated from Rudolf Steiner in Germany a long, long time ago where he was creating his own school and his books like (laughs) there's so many like knowledge and gems in there but man they are hard to read it's like trying to read autobiography of a yogi and not miss all the little things so you want to do a book club and take on one of his books let's do it definitely like they look small but I gotta reread reread and I would love to chat with someone because I think then I would digest it more but the whole philosophy is head heart's hand thinking, feeling, willing, so you're encompassing every part of you in your learning mind, body, soul. You're not just memorizing your times tables. It's a way of you're really digesting this into your soul and learning everything on a total different level. So there's two aspects of Waldorf I want to just touch on today that will help you as an adult if you have kids, will help you as an adult just if you want to explore handwork and improve your own drawing and writing. It's been amazing. When I first started this back when Kai, we started when he was four actually, starting to just incorporate some of the Waldorf painting and beeswax modeling, things like that. And he's almost nine now. 
And then when he was five, I started doing the chalkboard drawings, which, oh my gosh, that was intimidating. And it took so much time. And I get a lot of compliments now from my family of how my chalkboard drawing skills have improved. And it was from just watching a couple of techniques and then doing it and practicing more and doing it again and not giving up. And I think that's a huge lesson right there for Kai to see from where I started to where I'm now. And he'll be like, wow, mom, your blackboard drawings are so much better. All right, so let's dive deeper into the handwork and then I will chat about the temperaments after. So with the handwork, you get to learn how to knit, how to crochet, how to finger knit, how to use a lucette how to card your own wool and spin your own wool, how to use form drawing to learn how to draw, how to wet on wet paint, chalkboard drawings, and so much yarn and needle felting, and all these cool things that I don't think I would have found and felt like I could even do it unless I was like, oh, well, I need to teach Kai how to do this because this is part of the curriculum, which a lot of curriculums like of any homeschooling you're doing or any schooling you're doing that's not homeschooling a lot of them don't have these skills of learning how to mend your own jeans when they have holes in the knee and for me I never did this until homeschooling Kai and teaching him and leading homeschool cops and a lot of times I'm like is this for me am I doing this to teach them or is it because I enjoy it and it's honestly a bit of both and it's amazing how when you learn it so young it just is natural and I mean there's some frustrations but they're easier I feel like to teach than like myself trying to do it and I'm like oh my crocheting like I'm just tying my holes so tight I can't even get my crochet hook in and out but by sticking with it and trying again and trying different crochet hooks trying different yarn um, now I can make reusable water balloons which are pretty cool without like even a pattern I just started making up my own I don't know why my brain cannot watch a YouTube video and then just go do it like it makes no sense to me so I kind of will watch something or listen to something get the gist of it look at a picture and then I'll do it how I can figure out that I can do it um but I've done a lot of really cool things now and Kai's gotten to see that and Kai can do a lot of the projects but still some are a little advanced for him but he is empowered anytime he's like well let's just make our own mom like he'll see something and he'll have a different version in his head and he'll be like well we'll just make our own so it's gone from these simple things of crocheting or needle felting little mushrooms to now like we'll see something at the store and it's totally like oh we can make that we already have the supplies at home from making our own beeswax candles that don't have the harsh chemicals in it to making right now like today I spent the morning making my own salve which I didn't know how to do before I just would have gone to the store before and bought it and now it's super cool I know exactly the ingredients that are in it I'm making it myself it's pretty cool I already usually have like everything I need in the house to do any project I want so you can kind of be more sanguine tendency of temperament, which I'll go into that. Oh, kind of you can bounce from project to project without having to go out to the store and get lost in buying your supplies and then coming home and not even getting to the project. I already got it and I just dive right in. 
temperaments. There are four, and this is part of the Waldorf philosophy. So there's choleric, sanguine, melancholic, and phlegmatic. And you can look at all of us. Uh, we all will go through these cycles in our life where that temperament is more predominant. And also, too, we're all a part of all of them. We're not just one. But usually there's two that stick out a little bit more. So first, let's look at it as our whole life. We all begin in sanguine tendencies because we're young, we're a child, we're literally like feet are off the ground, we're bouncing around, we're moving from one thing to the next. And then we go and we grow and we become a teenager and we become more melancholic where we feel the weight of the world on our shoulders and we are more emotional and can feel cranky, all the things of being a teenager and melancholic. From there, I can see where it can flip back and forth between the last two, but I think it's more after we've gone through our teen years and we become an adult ourselves. we have more of the cleric tendencies where we're going to be the boss, we're going to be in charge, we're going to step up, we're going to be the leader. And then that last period of life can be more that phlegmatic, kind of just coasting, very cozy and comfy, just knowing our basic needs are being met, uh, food, water, clothing, shelter, uh, friendship, love, and just enjoying life because we've gone through all the other stages. Okay, so let's look at the two predominant temperaments that you are first. So explore yours for yourself first, and then you can kind of go through your kids any partners, any friends. I've done this with our homeschool co-op because it's so helpful, especially for me knowing what all the kids are because then I know how to navigate circle time. I know how to encourage them. I know how to handle when they're more frustrated. So starting with myself, I'm a choleric sanguine and then Kai is a sanguine melancholic and my husband, I think, is a phlegmatic probably choleric. So let's break each of them down. A choleric, I'll start with that one because that's the one I know the best being myself. Cleric naturally just wants to be a leader. They'll step up, they'll be the boss, they'll do the work to make things happen. They'll have a lot of energy, they're not intimidated, they can handle the situations that are hard with leadership. For a cleric, think of it if you were with a group and you were out hiking on a trail and a giant log was blocking the way. There's this group of people. The cleric is going to be the one that comes up to the front and they're like taking off their jacket and being like, let's move this, guys. Or they have a plan and they're ready to execute it. Next up, a sanguine is someone that will easily move from one project to the next, often without completing the first one. So they can have a lot of different handwork projects going, a lot of different ideas in their head, different businesses going that they're just kind of bouncing from like, oh, now I want to do this and now I want to do this. Let's go back to that scenario with the log blocking the trail. The sanguine would jump on the log and just start dancing because they're already moving from what they were initially doing to, oh, now there's another opportunity. Phlegmatics. They are pretty easygoing, comfortable people that will just go with the flow as long as they feel their basic needs are being met of having a home, having clothes, having food, having people that love them and 
them feeling that they are loved and cared for and they just will glide through their day, their job, their life. The scenario with the log on the trail blocking it is the phlegmatic isn't really going to jump up there and dance on the log or take off their jacket and be ready to lift it up. They sometimes need that encouragement to be like, hey, can you help us lift this? And then you might be able to motivate them. Sometimes you can't. Kind of depends on the different situations and if they have an interest in it or not. The last one is the melancholic. The melancholic feels the weight of the world on their shoulders. So different scenarios like, say, uh, cup spills or something, they're going to feel that more than the other temperaments. So they're going to be like, oh, my day is ruined. This is horrible. Why does this always happen to me? And in that scenario where the log's falling down, they're going to feel like they're going to see the sanguine dancing. They're going to see the choleric trying to lift the log, and they're going to feel like, oh, of course, this would always happen to me. Our hike is ruined. We need to turn around and go back home. So a little review. Me, myself, I'm the choleric sanguine, so that means I want to be the leader. I want to be in charge. The sanguine means I also have a lot of ideas and projects, and so I need to be mindful of how many I'm going for because being a leader in them all, you could get exhausted pretty fast, and it's not realistic with your time that you can do it all. Kai is a sanguine melancholic, so how I was talking in the beginning that he wasn't really on board for me asking him questions and recording a podcast. I see him throughout our house moving from one project to the next project himself. Then he has the melancholic where he feels it all. So he's going through the emotions of what if one of his friends hears the podcast and he feels like he didn't do well answering his question or he didn't feel well, like comfortable recording because he feels like he needs to do it perfect. But a lot of times, melancholics, once they have felt all the emotions, they have processed them, they will come back and that sanguine tendency too, he'll be like, oh, I can do a podcast with you now, mom. I'll answer your questions. But sometimes they need that time to just process all the different emotions of it and how it can go. My husband is a phlegmatic and I don't know, I'd have to explain all the three to him for him to help me decide the second one. I would say choleric would be a second. So phlegmatic is comfortable having their basic needs met. And then the choleric is the leader, which it's hard to, to know with like his career is being in the military and being a leader. And so I've talked to a couple of friends that their husbands are in the military too, where that choleric, like everyone kind of in different job roles has to be in the military. But is that true to who they are in at the core or are they doing their job so it's also interesting to observe people when they are working and the different jobs they're doing and if they actually want to be there or if they're just doing them really studying the temperaments is so helpful in so many areas like for example uh, with eating like packing a lunch a cleric wants to have something that's gonna bring their presence out so say you pack in a thermosol that they're going to really have to show their strength and their muscles to open their lunch and they're going to like draw that attention from their friends to them. I personally am always up for any challenge of opening pickles or salsa 
or any of those things and I get so determined I'm going to open this because that's my clear tendency. A sanguine wants it to be a social event. So they want things like cashews or that they can share, you know. So they want to like be, oh, let's swap. Let's try this to have a little bit of mine. It's not really a thing where they sit down and actually eat a lot because sanguines want to chat and they're moving from one thing to a next. And knowing this has helped me more than anything with my son because he is also a manifesting generator, which I've talked about in another episode. So he has that manifester and that sanguine tendency of it is really hard to get him to sit down and eat a whole meal. A lot of times he forgets to eat or he's snacking or it'll be time for bed and he is hungry. And instead of getting frustrated with it, knowing how to like give reminders like, hey, last call for food. Hey, are you hungry? So sanguine manifestors, that's got that. If you want to chat more about your child specifically, more than happy to help. So the phlegmatic, they want it to always be consistent, the same things, they want to know what's coming. And then the melancholic is hard because even if you pack their lunch and you think you're doing a really good job, like they're going to find a fruit that is bruised and that's like them feeling like, oh, like, of course this will always happen to me. So no matter how you kind of pack theirs, it's melancholics are very, they're feeling it all. So even if we do our best, they're going to feel it. So giving them lots of patience and reassurance and encouragement is definitely key. So super cool, right? It's an awesome tool. Human design and the four temperaments, I feel like have been the most helpful for me to explore myself and who I am, as well as parenting and also being able to lead a circle time, how I said before, because if I know a child is a melancholic, they're probably not going to want to speak up and be the leader of the group. They're not going to want to share first, and they might not want to share at all, so giving them the option to pass, whereas maybe there's a cleric and they want to be the one to read the book that day and encouraging that. So learning about each temperament and then to, like, I'm not going to figure out whose child is whatever temperament. Help teach the parents because then that's a tool they have at their house. But then they can give me more insight, not only too on who they are and what they want to contribute to a group because most melancholic moms don't want to be leading a homeschool co-op. They will be there and they want the cleric to do it and they're going to support the cleric and they're going to pick up on these different emotions that I might not So each of us has these strengths within our temperaments. It's never that one is better than the other. It's there is a strength in there, and then there is something to know that that way we can encourage when we're kind of feeling our unbalanced temperament. Happy 2022, by the way. I am planning on keeping this podcast going for as long as people are finding it valuable, and I am enjoying it. I'm always open to any feedback and suggestions, or if you even want to hop on and have a chat with me, I would love to do that too. I'm open to all ideas and just going to go with the flow of the year. Something that is working really well for me that I find myself constantly going back to is less, like always 
getting stuff out of my house um, as stuff is coming in, but also less on my calendar, less on my mind, because at the end of the day, like our time is the most valuable thing we have. So really being mindful of that. And right now my life looks like I live one month at a time, can't really plan too much. And so really focusing on how I'm spending my time and if it is on what I want to be doing, because at the end of the day, I'm going to bed and I'm like, oh, I didn't even get to read. But how long did I spend on social media answering messages? And no matter if I spend hours and hours answering messages, the next time I pick up my phone, there's still going to be more messages. And I am so, so grateful for that. Please don't stop sending me messages. I love it. But me being intentional with my time and spending it how I want to. So definitely more reading for me this year, stretching, keeping doing all the things I've been doing that help me feel really well and recover when something crazy happens. Uh, Like I had whiplash the week before Christmas and a pretty crazy tubing accident. And it was amazing that my body bounced back in six days and I feel like nothing even happened and I think that's because I have been intentional with my time over the years of exercising and Epsom salt baths and rolling oils on myself and these self-care practices I do on a daily basis that might not seem like much some days but in that incident where I really was hurting how my body was able to heal so I'd love to hear what do you have in mind for 2022? What you're going to be up to? I'm not one to set resolutions or pick a word or I don't I don't even know that I would call it goals. Like I just my focus, my intention and you know what? It shifts probably every month because there's that sanguine in me and I always am up for a new challenge or a new project. listening and I'm wishing you an amazing start to the new year. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Vanessa's Holistic Living. Send any requests for future episodes 